Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. And first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Albert Pujols did it! 700 home runs for the machine absolutely love to see it welcome in to fantasy baseball today on monday september 26th i am frank sample joined by scott white today on the show the latest waiver wire ads for the final week and a half starter sit decisions some big names went on the il unfortunately we'll get to all of it but how's it going scotty how was your weekend bud pretty good pretty good we had my younger son's fifth birthday party Nice. Is, and uh, it was a small affair, but it was, you know, it's a good time. Cake, presents, the, the usual things kids get excited about. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Nice. I can't, uh, I could come on here and complain about fantasy football for a third straight Sunday, <laughs> but I don't think I'm going to do that. Hey, you wound up with the dub, man. That's all that counts. I am getting a dub. It is a very ugly dub. One of those dubs where it would have been an L to most anybody else in the league. So I can't I can't take much joy in it. I also dropped Alexander Madison last night. Oh. <laughs> now Dalvin Cook is hurt. Of course. Uh, so, you know, I have a feeling if I was 2-0 instead of 0-2, I wouldn't have done that. Kind of... Low on confidence and flailing and spiraling out of control. And here I am complaining about it when I said I wasn't going to. So sorry about that. (laughs) All good. I wonder what the crossover is. I mean, I'd imagine most people who play fantasy baseball also play fantasy football. But I'm sure there's a segment of the audience that does not care about fantasy football whatsoever. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I remember there. I remember that becoming a thing where you could tell the audience was beginning to branch in two different directions instead of being in lockstep. Uh, You know, oh, okay, so baseball's over. I'm going to transition to football. Became people more devoted to baseball, people more devoted to football. But, you know, a lot more people just play fantasy football in general, so you're always going to get some crossover there. Mm -hmm. Well, it was a good weekend for Scotty, mostly. 
And it was a great weekend for Albert Pujols, as you mentioned as well. I mean, before we even get into, oh my goodness gracious, this guy, uh, I think the the headline of the weekend and, and one of the truly awesome stories of the season, 42-year-old, uh, for age 42 season for Albert Pujols, puts up 21 homers this year, batting 265 and 863 OPS and gets himself all the way up to 700 career home runs, just the fourth player in MLB history to accomplish that feat. It's awesome, Scott. It, you know, it's he is the premier hitter. He, uh, he is the hitter of this generation of the past yeah. twenty years. You know, as as long as I've been playing fantasy baseball, Albert Pujols has was basically a mainstay. Um, but you know, it's yeah, it's awesome. Well, I I mean, coming into the season, I didn't think he had a chance. No, to, I, I to think to, I, to, most to people did seven hundred. Yeah, you know, twenty one home runs and only two hundred ninety one at bats. I mean, just pace Crazy. that out over a full season. Uh, it's not what you're expecting from Albert Pujols at age 42. I can't help but wonder, though. I mean, obviously, historic accomplishment. Very, I mean, history, saying it's historic doesn't even really do it justice because fourth player ever to get to 700 home runs. And then, of course, one of the three people like to um, dismiss it. It obviously happened. Barry Bonds is the all-time home run record holder. But, you know. People have problems with that. People have issues. Uh, so Albert Pujols is the fourth to reach 700. And yet, even as amazing and, and rare of an accomplishment as that is, I, I kind of have the same feeling I, with him that I did with King Griffey Jr., who, I mean, King Griffey Jr. got to 630 home runs and, and a, a, a very rarely reached total in its own right, exceeding 600 like that. And yet, for both Griffey and Pujols, like once they got over thirty, age thirty, I mean, their their production just fell off a cliff. And you it, you can't help but wonder in both cases if they just aged normally, like what might they have accomplished? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, one of the sweetest swings in in baseball history, Scott, with uh, Ken Griffey there. I know a lot of injuries throughout his career too, so that definitely did not help things for him. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's a good point that you bring up. But um, yeah, guess the 700 for Albert Pujols, which again, we are uh, very excited for the guy. Let's get into uh, the rest of the weekend's action. Oh my good goodness gracious. Oh my goodness gracious, Scott. Where would you like to begin? I'll begin with Jose Quintana. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to come up with uh, players you can talk about in an actionable way because it's just kind of rehashing the same list of starts and sits that we we gave on on Friday's show. Obviously, there's one scoring period left in most leagues. I guess, you know, maybe in some roto leagues, you might be able to reset your lineup again next Monday. But yeah, for the most part, it's just those same players we're talking about. Well, one of them, I think, kind of uh, made himself a, a an advisable start with the, you know, he kind of underscored it. Under underscored how. Uh, recommendable he is for this upcoming scoring period. And that's Jose Quintana, who on, let's see, which day was it? It was Friday. Jose Quintana at the Dodgers, no less. Six and two-thirds shutout innings. This was after throwing eight shutout innings in his previous start. And I think what what's so encouraging about that, you know, obviously the fact he did against the Dodgers, that's great, but... Like he had so rarely 
been go like he he it seemed like he'd been struggling to go even five innings before that you know it, it kind of rendered him unusable even though the era he sustained a low era in the low threes quintana just wasn't going deep enough into games for it to matter and so for him to do this back-to-back starts combined 14 and two-thirds innings heading into two matchups against the pirates gotta feel really good about that so I I can't imagine, like even in like a ten team league, I I would think I'd probably try to find a way to get Quintana in my lineup. It's possible, particularly if you're playing in your league's championship game. Your your pitching staff so loaded, and there's so many pitchers in line for two starts over a ten day period. Okay, you might not be able to make it happen, but I think Quintana is uh, more than just the the the. You, you can start him with even more gusto than the usual sleeper pitcher heading into this final scoring period. Yeah, he, he was tremendous this weekend. Jose Quintana against the Dodgers, as you mentioned, Scott. And uh, I have him in like two or three spots, and I bench him in, in all those. And it doesn't feel good yeah, right it made, now. Sen- it made sense, yeah. Yeah, some of those are head-to-head, you know, championship matchups right now. But um, in the leagues where I can change my lineup, obviously I'm going to get Jose Quintana back in there against the Pirates for two more st- uh, starts. And if you play in a points league, he is SPARP eligible on CBS. So... Starting pitcher who has relief pitcher eligibility. He's 67% rostered. And Scott, I know you had John Gray ranked higher than Quintana on your sleeper pitchers list. But I don't know. Have you rethought it? Just because I, I feel like Quintana's pitched better recently. Like John Gray was fine this weekend. He only gave up one hit, but he also only had one strikeout. He only had four swinging strikes. And I think his matchups yeah. are a little bit tougher. The the Mariners and the Yankees. <laughs> it's so. not it's not the Pirates. Course, yeah, of right? course. Um, so I'm saying I would take Quintana over John Gray. Have you like rethought yeah. that? Like I, I still think John Gray is a better pitcher, so that's that's a tough call. I'll also point out that the second of those starts for Quintana, provided your your league is going through the the final day of the season, October fifth, the second of Quintana's starts would be on that day, October fifth. So. If, Pirates insert anybody else, you know, just to, oh, we want to give this, we want to give this guy a spot start. Then it's possible Quintana doesn't make that second start against the Pirates. That's fair. Uh, at this stage of the season, that would not be surprising at all if that happened. Uh, so you have to account for that. Let me see when John Gray starts. So John Gray's would be on this, John Gray's second start would be on the second to last day of the season, which gives a little more cushion there. Uh, and actually, is part of a double header, which that much more cushion, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, so it's a close call. If if you start a Quintana instead, I wouldn't blame you. I I, I think between the two, I'd still be more likely to start Gray, but it's a close call. All right. Oh my goodness That's gracious! John Gray specifically, not obviously not Josiah. Right. Don't get it confused. <laughs> Do not start Josiah Gray, whatever no. you're doing. Like, even in NL only leagues, if you can get away from him. Geez, I mean, you know, there was a nice stretch in there throughout the season for Josiah Gray and then just completely unraveled for him. Oh, my goodness gracious, for me is another pitcher and another Orioles pitcher who dominated the Houston Astros. So it was back to back days. It was Kyle Bradish on Thursday night and then Dean Kramer on Friday night, who put together a four-hit shutout against the Houston Astros. He allowed two walks, six strikeouts in that one, 15 swinging strikes on just 106 pitches. So he was incredibly efficient, again, against one of the best lineups in baseball. Velocity was up a little bit across the board here. Cutter up 1.3 miles per hour. His curve was up 1.2 miles per hour. 
And over his last seven starts, Dean Kramer has a 2.29 ERA, 1.12 whip, well below a strikeout per inning. So it seems like um, getting ground balls is helping him and, and limiting hard contact during that time. He's 33% rostered, and it looks like his final two matchups at the Red Sox, home against the Blue Jays. So very clearly behind Jose Quintana and John Gray for me, Scott. But what do you think about Dean Kramer, the way he's pitched really over the past month and a half, and in those final two matchups, Red Sox and Blue Jays? Yeah, I mean, I'm skeptical of it. Obviously, he's gotten an assist, uh, as has the whole Orioles pitching staff from the the new dimensions of Camden Yards and, and turning it into kind of a pitcher's paradise. So there may be more legitimacy to it than some of the usual metrics I look at would indicate. Those matchups, a bit shaky, <laughs> kind of scary. Red Sox and, and Blue Jays, not mm-hmm. not the uh, not the most awful matchups, but not great. All right, where and does so. Well, I, I, I do want to say, though, like I, I am finding in some of my deeper rotisserie leagues that specifically I'm seeing wins as a category I can make up ground in this final week of the season. So I'm selling out a little more for volume in the in those leagues where you know, wins or strikeouts, if you feel pretty good about where your situation in ERA and whip, then maybe you do have to gamble a little more on somebody like Dean Kramer. Mm-hmm. So I'll just mention that. I think it's a really good point to bring up about Roto Leagues, too. I mean, you know, you should have been doing this over the final month of the season, uh, if you could have, but especially the final week, if you see categories where you can make up ground, whether it's strikeouts or saves or wins, whatever it might be, just tweak your pitcher lineup to kind of to, to align with the needs of your, your rotisserie team. So uh, just make sure to look at those standings before you set your lineups here on Monday. Where does Dean Kramer rank up against this group of waiver wire pitchers? Saw Aaron Savali with another solid start here over the weekend. Five innings, two runs allowed, seven strikeouts, just zero walks. And over his last six starts, Savali 3.48 ERA over a strikeout per inning, 48% ground ball rate, 10.6% swinging strike rate. He's been solid. Uh, The problem is he only has one start, but it's against the Royals. So it's obviously a very good matchup there. Now... (laughs) With all the two-star pitchers, I'm not going to do that. He did, Savale does still have a 519 ERA on the year, uh, for what it's worth. And that good stretch you cited, obviously, there was an IL stint, like a month lost during it. So I don't know. He's, he's a low-ceiling pitcher to begin with, and I, I just think there are better options. All right. Well, what about these other names? Braxton Garrett had a strong start against the Nationals. He went six innings of one run ball, six strikeouts, zero walks in that one. And his final two matchups at the Brewers and home against the Braves. And then Cody Morris, Scott, who I know you did have as one of your sleeper pitchers. He was solid once again at the Rangers this weekend. Five innings, two runs, one of those earned with five strikeouts. Uh, He now has a 2.18 ERA, 1.45 whip. Um, it's kind of inflated because he had a five walk outing. So the, the walks are the, the walks per nine are, are pretty high for Cody Morris so far. 13% rostered. He is up against the Rays and Royals. How would you rank Kramer, Braxton Garrett, Cody Morris? I would rank them Cody Morris, Braxton Garrett, Dean Kramer. All right. Um, how excited are you about using Braxton Garrett? It's kind of matchups are kind of scary because. Uh, you know, the Brewers struggle against lefties, but I feel like they've mm-hmm. been a little bit better offensively recently. Uh, and then obviously the Braves are really good against lefties. So 
What do you what do you think about Garrett? Yeah, it's kind of kind of bipolar matchups there. But he has been he's been really solid even even since uh you know, he missed that stretch with an injury and then got demoted for a little bit because the rotation was full and now is back because Trevor Rogers is out for the season. He's been really solid now basically since, you know, right before the All-Star break, right? And uh, if again, if it's a situation where you're chasing wins, chasing strikeouts, I think he's he's capable of providing both. He goes deep enough to get wins. He's, you know, a solid strikeout pitcher. The Braves on the whole have hit lefties well, but they they're a lineup that strikes out a lot. I mean, Kyle Gibson got 25 swinging strikes against them. He didn't pitch particularly well, but Kyle Gibson just got tw- 25 swinging strikes against them on Sunday. So, Jeez. Uh, it I, it wouldn't be surprising if they knocked Braxton Garrett around, but it also wouldn't be surprising if he had like seven, eight strikeouts in that game. So I think he, he didn't quite make the cut for my 10 sleeper pitchers. So, you know. I'm not saying everybody should rush out and pick up Braxton Garrett, but specifically those people who are looking to meet specific category needs. Uh, I could see how Braxton Garrett might be useful to them. Speaking of those Miami Marlins, I saw Don Mattingly will not be back to uh, manage the 2023 season. I kind of felt like maybe it's run its its course a little bit, so we'll see what the Marlins do in the offseason. Again, huge problem, offense. Uh, I think that's something they really need to focus on and hopefully find a way to keep was, Jazz Chisholm healthy. He was there for a long time. Yeah. Yes, Seven he was. Seven years. Yeah. That, that, that's a long time, especially for a team that's mostly not been great. Uh, Did they ever? Is he the longest tenured manager for the Marlins ever? I would have to. That would be my guess. Let's see if I can find that real quick. Okay. I am go, keep going. <laughs> I'm going to present three other waiver wire pitches, Scott. These are more so for deeper leagues than anything else, but three names that uh, have showed some upside here. They have some prospect pedigree, and uh, they're, they're looking pretty good. Luis Ortiz, pitching well for the Pirates. Uh, he just didn't go very deep into the start. He was up against the Marlins. He went four and two-third. He allowed just one hit, one run, seven strikeouts in that one. Uh, Dre Jamison, another solid outing here on Sunday. Five and a third shutout with five strikeouts against the Giants. And Brian Bayo, a strong start on Sunday Night Baseball against the Yankees before it was rained out. Six innings, two runs, one earned with four strikeouts for Brian Bayo. His last five starts, a 1.65 ERA, 1.32 whip. Lots of ground balls, lots of whiffs. Really like what I'm seeing from Brian Bayo. Uh, he's 29% roster, Jamison 13%, Luis Ortiz 6%. Scott, in deeper leagues, um, do you have any interest in adding any of these three names? Ortiz, Jamison, Bayo. I mean, in an AL-only league, I'm going to go ahead and start Brian Bayo because it's specifically a situation where I'm, I'm trying to get as many chances for a win as I can, but that's a really deep league. Having said that, I'm getting pretty excited about him as a, a potential breakout for next year based on the way he's finishing this season. I just think it's still a little too risky to advise using him in most leagues. Dre Jamison kind of in the same boat. Uh, let's see. What would his matchups be? Well, I guess anybody who started Sunday wouldn't be in line for two starts next week. So that's uh, so why. Well, Bayo didn't, Bayo didn't start Sunday, right? He started Saturday. No, he did start on Sunday, but I think the Red Sox have 10 games left. Yeah. 
it's okay. It's so gonna, anybody with ten games, yeah. I get, there's there are a few teams with ten games, and so if they had somebody go Sunday, they might still be in line for two starts next week. Yeah, it looks like the uh, matchups that, are Blue Jays and at the Rays. Yeah, Dre Jameson has just the one start, so even more reason not to use him. It would be against the Giants. Correct. Uh, and then Luis Ortiz, you know, he's looked good, but he's not giving you much volume, and he only has one start at the Cardinals, so probably going to stay away from that one as well. Let's talk about some waiver wire hitters, Scotty. I have a bunch of names here who could be available for the final stretch, and we're just going to, I don't know, rank all of them. So let's okay. start Let's start with some corner infielders. Patrick Wisdom had a sock and a shoe on Sunday, his 25th home run, his eighth steal, and he now has three home runs over his last five games. 70% rostered with nine games left. Eduardo Escobar, one for five with a grand slam on Friday. He picked up three more hits on Sunday. 72% rostered with eight games left. Vinny P. Vinny Pasquantino, six hits, including a homer this weekend. In 14 games since returning from the IL, he's hitting 354, one homer, five doubles, 969 OPS, and he's 68% rostered. Also saw that he got engaged this weekend, so yeah, shout out to saw you. saw that too. P, baby. Yeah, getting it done. Uh, and then Joey two hits. That's Joey Manessis. Uh, he had three more homers um, over his last four games and just continuing to crush it. He's batting 326. he He's got 12 homers, 943 OPS in 46 games played. Scott, how would you rank these four? Joey Manessis, Vinny P, Eduardo Escobar, and Patrick Wisdom. I mean, Joey Manessis is basically Babe Ruth at this point, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's he, He's not slowing down even when the matchups are pretty tough. He's now batting 326 with 943 OPS, and the Nationals are one of those teams with 10 games uh, in the final scoring period, so I think you got to go Joey Manessis number one. Do like Vinny Pesquantino for this upcoming week also, so he's number two. And then Wisdom and Escobar, they of course are eligible at third base, which makes, uh, which is which is of course a, a position of greater need. I don't have either among my sleeper hitters for this week. I think I would give. I mean, Escobar's just been so hot. He does have the lesser matchups of the two, but I'll go Escobar over Wisdom still for that final spot. Want to talk about an embarrassment of riches, Scott? I have Joey Manessis on my bench in the podcast listeners league in the championship. And in the lineup, I have Michael Harris, Stephen Kwan, Hunter Renfro, who had a massive weekend, and Jordan Alvarez in my utility. So mm. I, I just can't really find a way to get Joey Manessis in my well, lineup. So Yeah, that's what happens in those head-to-head lineup leagues, the nine the nine-man uh, hitter rosters. Three outfielders, only one first base spot. No extra corner infield spot. So, yeah, that happens sometimes. Yep, it's true. Got some outfielders here for you, Scotty. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez had a double dong on Saturday. Surprised me that he was just 64% roster. Like, it's been climbing. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of leagues that are either over or people aren't paying attention, whatever it might be. Uh, But I know the Guardians have the fourth best hitter matchups, according to your sleeper hitter article. Uh, Taylor Ward had a double dong on Friday. And he's having a big September. He's batting 325, four homers, 925 OPS in the month. AJ Pollock also having a nice September. He's hitting 291, five homers, and 838 OPS. And Seth Brown had a big weekend. He had five hits, including two home runs. Also a massive September. 297, eight homers, 1064 OPS for Seth Brown. 
Scott, how do you rank those four? Oscar Gonzalez, Taylor Ward, AJ Pollock, and Seth Brown. So Gonzalez and Ward are both among my sleeper hitters for this week. I do think I give the slight edge to Gonzalez, but pretty encouraged by the way Taylor Ward's September is going. I, I kind of thought he'd just be a flash in the pan. You know, the first six weeks or so of this season, he looked like the best player in baseball. I wonder if it's a situation where, you know, you can you can date his his drop-off back to an injury he suffered that didn't seem like a major thing, didn't keep him out for a long time, but he just didn't was never the same after that. I think and, it was a shoulder. Yeah, his shoulder mm-hmm. in mid-May or mid mid-late May kept him out for four or five games. Uh, but he was just totally unproductive after that until September. In September, he's starting to look like the guy we saw at the beginning of the season. So I think that's going to put him on, on the radar again next year, at least in five outfielder leagues, uh, provided the Angels still want him as an everyday player. So he'll be second. Oscar Gonzalez and Taylor Ward, both on my sleeper hitters for this week. Between the other two, Seth Brown and A.J. Pollock. They uh, each have nine games remaining. Yeah, but let me double check this. I think the Athletics are facing five lefties in those nine games. Oh, geez. Otherwise, I'd be inclined to say Seth Brown over Pollock, but let me double check. Oh, it doesn't look so bad anymore. Hmm. Now it just looks like two. That changed a lot from when I put this together on Thursday. Uh, okay, so let's say Seth Brown over AJ Pollock. All right, I do have two catchers here. Obviously, for shallower one-catcher leagues, William Contreras, he's back. He's playing once again. He went three for four with his 20th home run on Saturday. He has started 11 straight games. I know Ronald Acuna has been out of the lineup for them. And during those 11 games, he's hitting 325 with three home runs. So again, 10-team, 12-team, one-catcher leagues. Just check to see if William Contreras is out there if you need a catcher. And then Cal Raleigh is someone I'm interested in as well. He had two more homers this weekend, which brings him to 25. He's second to only Dalton Varsho at the position in terms of uh, where they rank with home runs and Cal Raleigh is 52% rostered and the Mariners have the best hitter matchups the rest of the way. So uh, yep. someone I am quite interested in, I would clearly take Contreras over Cal Raleigh. Some deeper outfielder, Scotty, Will Brennan looks pretty good so far. He went one for three with a double and two steals on Friday. He's 2% rostered. Somebody named Connor Capel or Capel. <laughs> Not a good job by me. I, I meant to look up how to say his name, but I just... A lot going on here on Sunday. I don't blame you. I'm trying to figure out who this guy is, too. I I, I don't know anything about him, but he had a yeah. pretty big weekend for the Oakland A's. He went. He had five K-Pel. hits. Capel? Yeah, Connor Capel. Capel. All right. He had five hits, two homers, seven RBI this weekend. Minor league numbers were pretty pedestrian. I didn't really see anything too interesting with him. Uh, and then Brian De La Cruz, I brought him up recently. He's just red hot. His last seven games, he's hitting 481, two homers. Impacts the ball pretty hard. He is 6% rostered. Scott, obviously very deep leagues. You know, we're probably looking at like 15 team Roto, five outfielders. Any interest in these names? Brennan, Capel, and De La Cruz. Capel. Yeah, I think that's right. Because, Okay. Sorry. Yeah, Connor Capel. Okay. Um, I would say Will Brennan's the most interesting. He has kind of that Stephen Kwan profile, as we talked about last week. But the Guardians legitimately do have five left-handers on the schedule. 
and Brennan is a left-handed hitter. So I'm going to guess he doesn't play uh, so often against them. Uh, so that might be tough to do. So I guess the best choice among these three, and it is just for deeper leagues, uh, Capel. Capel himself is a left-handed batter. I don't know. Maybe Brian De La Cruz, but it's, I don't say that with a lot of, uh, a lot of gusto. It is indeed Connor Capel. I just listened to uh, one of the calls for his home runs from the weekend. So good call on you there, Scotty. Do have some deeper middle infielders as well. Ezekiel Tovar, one of the top prospects in the game. He plays for the Rockies, made his debut on Friday. He went two for four, didn't do much else this weekend, but he has started three straight games. He's 16% rostered. The rest of his nine remaining games are all on the road. So unfortunately, will not get any Coors Field. Oswaldo Cabrera has four home runs over his last 12 games, has been playing much better for the Yankees. Uh, 16% rostered for him. He's got 10 games remaining, second base and outfield eligibility. And then C.J. Abrams had six hits this weekend, including two steals on Sunday, which is what we need to see, Scott. As you know, we've said it all season. We got to see this guy run and... You know, maybe he's starting to do it here down the stretch. He is 34% rostered. How do you rank those three? Again, deeper leagues. Tovar, Cabrera, Abrams. I guess I will go Tovar number one. I will say that Oswaldo Cabrera has the best matchups. And what's what's rough for the Rockies is not only are they on the road, they have the worst hitter matchups of any team this week. Damn. So the fact that I'm saying Ezekiel Tovar number one, I think just goes to show you how I feel about Oswaldo Cabrera and CJ Abrams. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't really want to start Tovar either. Yeah. Cabrera's look pretty good. I, he puts the ball in the air a lot. Obviously short porch in right field in Yankee stadium. Looks like the game is slowing down a little bit for him. So I don't know that he's ever going to be an impact player, but he's looked good over the past couple of weeks. I do have two um, most ahead, for what it's worth. Uh, the Yankees have, 10 games this week, and seven of them are on the road in Toronto and in Texas. Okay. Well, Toronto's still a pretty good place to hit. Texas is kind of neutral. Mm. So, yeah. All right. Could have been better (laughs) with more games than Yankee Stadium. Do have two corner infielders here, Scott. Again, these are for deeper leagues. Juan Yapez has had five hits this weekend, uh, getting back into some playing time here for the Cardinals. Hit his 12th home run on Friday, uh, has started four of their last five games. He's 19% rostered with eight games left. And then Tristan Casas has two home runs over his last four games. He likes hitting against the Yankees, I'll tell you that much so far. Uh, 34% mm-hmm. rostered and 10 games left for him. Again, we're talking deep leagues here, Scott, but any interest in Yepes or Casas? I don't have a ton of interest in starting either of them, no. But I do like seeing the big weekend from Casas and what may have been most impressive to me is that, um, you know, all the walks versus the lack of strikeouts, you know, so he hit, he did hit the two home runs, uh, in his past four games, but he also had six walks versus three strikeouts during that stretch. And I think that's going to be a big, big part of his game moving forward. All right, uh, that is, uh, those are all the names I have quite a bit. But I wanted to ro- remind everyone before we hit the break, the schedule for this week. Obviously, we're live here on Sunday night and podcasting your feed on Monday. We will also be live on YouTube on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night. 
audio podcast in your feed Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning. So uh, Monday night, we will not be around. You will not have a podcast on Tuesday morning. Let's take a break and we'll hit the news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The news and notes. First, we will start with the good news for Tampa Bay, which is Tyler Glass now scheduled to start Wednesday in Cleveland, but will be limited to about 45 pitches. And I believe he would line up for one more start after that, Scott, at the Red Sox. And I know someone in the YouTube chat was asking us about Tyler Glass now. Obviously, he's a big name, big talent, someone we'll like for next year, but I can't imagine we're looking to add him if he's going to be that limited. Right. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't have a chance to get you a win, but not a serious chance anyway, I don't think I'd be looking to use him. All right. The bad news for Tampa Bay. Shane Boz will undergo Tommy John surgery and will not pitch during the entire 2023 season. Scott, let's say that you are a rebuilding team in a dynasty league. You're pretty far out. Would you maybe look to acquire Shane Boz? Because I think you'll be able to get him at a discounted price. Yeah, I th- I think that's always a good idea. Tommy John surgery has a good track record, obviously. Pitcher of that talent level. Uh, you know, I'd like to accumulate as many of those guys as I can because... They, they tend to, to to get hurt so often. So I know in one of my dynasty leagues, when when uh, Justin Verlander uh, succumbed to Tommy John surgery, I was able to get him for very cheap. And, and this year I did the same thing with Walker Bueller in one of them. Basically, in both of those cases, if I'm being honest, it was less about me being proactive and coming to the guy with him and saying, hey, do you want to trade him? I feel like those out of the blue like cold calls rarely amount to anything for me. It was more them being like, Hey, I'm interested in shopping this guy. 
and me just jumping in right away and saying, all right, what do you want? And being able to work something out. So I, I think it's usually worth doing. Obviously, it depends how many keepers you're allowed to keep, um, what the cost is to keep the particular player, of course. But in a lot of circumstances, it makes sense. Some big names went to the IL this weekend. Spencer Schreider with a left oblique strain. Julio Rodriguez with a lower back strain. Luis Robert with a left wrist sprain. Something that's really hampered him for the past month or so. Uh, he will not play again in 2022. Pretty disappointing season. I will personally apologize because I was all over Luis Robert. And I thought it was going to be a big year. But uh, just kind of weird season overall for the White Sox. I don't really know where they go from here or what's going to happen with Tony La Russa, but just a very, very weird season for the Chicago White Sox. Dustin May uh, went to the IL with lower back tightness as well. So a few big outfielders, a few pitchers on here. Obviously, if you need replacements, you can refer to the Jose Quintanas of the world and uh, John Gray and Cody Morris, or if you need an outfielder, Joey Manessis, Oscar Gonzalez, names like that. Uh, what else we have? Craig Kimbrell was removed from the closer role on Friday. So we now have the Dodgers and the Yankees who say that they're basically going closer by committee. And it seems like the names that could be involved here, Scott, Chris Martin, Evan Phillips, Grustar Gratterall, uh, Gratterall, and I don't know, maybe even Kimbrell kind of works back in. Is there anyone that you're looking at? I mean, I think these would probably have to be deep league plays this late in the season, but how do you feel about the Dodgers bullpen? Yeah, you have to wonder how many safe chances they're going to get with uh, nine games on the schedule, obviously. And if they're dividing it between a few different guys, it's a low probability play on your part, singling out any one of them. I'd be most likely to pick up Evan Phillips, I think, just because he's been the best. But Chris Martin did get a save over the weekend. Bruce, Bruce Dark Ratterall, uh, he's recently off the IL, but he had kind of been serving as the backup closer earlier, so it wouldn't surprise me. If he got the majority of the saves, whatever that ends up being, two, you know. Uh, so I, I would say I would rank them Phillips, Gratterall, and then Chris Martin. And, you know, just, just keep your expectations in check because it's very likely whoever you pick up, it's, it's going to amount to zero saves, you know. Byron Buxton will undergo season-ending arthroscopic knee surgery on Tuesday. Luis Castillo signed a five-year, $108 million contract extension with the Mariners this weekend, and he has a 3.35 ERA and 10 starts with them. Oddly enough, he's been roughed up by the Royals and the A's in his last two outings, so uh, not great timing, unfortunately, here, Luis Castillo. DJ LeMahieu remains unable to play because of his toe injury, and it's unclear when or if he'll be able to return this season. Nick Castellanos will not need a rehab assignment and is expected to return sometime between Tuesday and Thursday. I'm assuming that means we want to stay away, right, Scott? How do you feel about Castellanos? I would rather not have to use him. I mean, it's not like he was having a great season anyway. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Jorge Polanco is still feeling issues with his left knee and may not return this season as well. Drew Smiley will not start this upcoming series against the Phillies. He's dealing with left shoulder fatigue. Chris Bryant confirmed on Saturday that he will not return the season, and he played just 42 games in his first year with the Rockies. Brandon Lau has been ruled out for the remainder of the season as well with back inflammation. Jesse Winker was removed Sunday with a bru bruised left wrist. It's been a pretty bad season for Winker. Regardless, you probably do, do not want to play him. 
Edward Cabrera left Sunday's start with a low-grade ankle sprain, and he looks like he would only have one start left anyway. So I think we can comfortably drop Edward Cabrera, Scott. Oh, I don't trust him anyway. Yeah. Feel yeah. bad too because that's he was one of my guys. Like I was pretty excited, and I still think that there is a lot to be excited about moving forward. But yeah, he's got to clean up the is. walks, man. Like the the walks have just been a huge issue for him. Yep. Tyler Malley is officially out for the rest of the season with that shoulder injury. Mackenzie Gore will make another rehab start at AAA on Monday. He got up to 65 pitches in his previous outing, but it sounds like he will not have value in redraft leagues uh, the rest of this season. Dane Dunning will undergo season-ending arthroscopic surgery on his hip. Madison Bumgarner will not pitch again for the D-backs this season. Uh, we did have a few prospect notes. Pirates second base slash outfield prospect Ji-Huan Bay was promoted on Friday, and he picked up two hits and two steals this weekend. And he does have some speed, 30 steals in the minors this season. Uh, this would have to be, obviously, he's got a very deep league play. Do you have any interest mm-hmm. in it? Ji-Huan Bay? No, not at this juncture. Kind of a light hitter, even if he can steal some bases. And, you know, who, who knows? Who knows how things are going to go with the Pirates, especially. Mm-hmm. And this one's going to get you hyped, Scotty. Cubs first base prospect Matt Mervis will have a chance to win a roster spot in spring training next year. And he had just a sick season in the minors where he hit 309, 35 homers with a 986 OPS. So just file that name away. Late round sleeper for next year. Breakout candidate, whatever you want to call him. Matt Mervis, a first base prospect with the Cubs. I do like him. I do like him. Not only was he productive across three levels, uh, I think he and one other Cubs prospect, Kevin Alcantara, I think, they were the first Cubs prospects since Chris Bryant to hit 30 homers in a minor league season. And uh, what's most impressive about Matt Mervis to me is not only was he productive, but once he got to to AAA, which is where he spent the majority of his season, or he spent more time at AAA than any other level, I should say, strikeout rate was 14.2%. It was... He's not a guy who strikes out like a like you would expect someone with his power to. So kind of reminiscent of Anthony Rizzo that way. And internally, uh, some of the Cubs organization have made that comparison. I believe it was Alexander Canario, Scott, the other 30 home run hitter in the Cubs organization. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I get him and Kevin Alcantara confused. So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But Alcantara is actually the higher ranked prospect uh, for the Cubs. It's just, yeah, Canario, more of the the power guy for them. Starters hit these banged up players. Scotty, Ronald Acuna just feels like there's always something going on this season for him, unfortunately. He has missed four straight with mid-back tightness. Do you start or sit this week? Mm. I mean, it's a nine... Well, it's a 10-day scoring period, obviously. I mean, it, it may not be in your specific scenario, and, and so that makes it easier... I think to roll the dice on him if you get another chance to then remove him from your lineup later on. But if you don't, I mean, certainly I wouldn't do it in three outfielder leagues In five outfielder leagues. I think you just have to gauge how, how much damage it could cause you if he takes a goose egg all week, which mm-hmm. is possible. Not likely, but it's possible. All right. Wander Franco was removed Sunday with an apparent left hand injury. And I know what you're thinking, but 
it was previously his right hand that Wander Franco had issues with. So how do you feel about Wander Franco, Scott? Have you seen anything else on him? I think I'd be fine sitting him. I haven't seen anything, but I don't, it doesn't feel like you're losing much by keeping him out of your lineup. He's just been kind of blah. Yeah. He's an interesting one to figure out too. Don't ever want to write off one of the top prospects in the game or anything like that. And, and that's not what I'm doing, but I just wonder if he has enough pure power in, in this environment. Like, is he going to be able to live up to being a 25, 30 home run hitter? I don't know. I, I just, I really don't know. Um, obviously a, a kind of a lost season here for Wander Franco, but it's going to be an interesting one to discuss in the off season. Tony Gonsolin will return to the majors after just one rehab start on Tuesday at AAA. Um, and it seems like he would return for just one start next Sunday against the Rockies, Scott. So home against the Rockies. It's a good matchup. Uh, how do you feel about Tony Gonsolin for this long period? Yeah, I I don't trust it. It's mostly about getting him ready for the the postseason, and I don't know how long they're going to stick with him. It's a good matchup, but with all the two start options out there, I I probably wouldn't use Tony Gonsolin unless you know I could I could see maybe in like a daily lineup scenario you'd rather have him in than not in you know, but like if you're limited in how many uh, pitchers you can start over the course of the entire week, probably going to sit Gonsolin. Scott, you know, I was on the Fantasy Football Today live stream earlier on Sunday morning. Adam said that he, Adam Azer, by the way, said he likes the actual Oreo cookie part more than the cream. I agree with him. That's a take. That's an Azer take. And I guess now it's a Scott White take, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I find that I agree with, and maybe I shouldn't admit this. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> I agree with more Azer takes than not. Oh, boom goes the dynamite. Some of, the, some of them are really bad, but yeah, of course the cookie part of the Oreo cookie is better than the cream. I mean, ah, come on, Scott. You, if you can't, could, you if can't you, say if you were, it like it's a definitive statement. Of course it is. <laughs> no. if, if you could eat just either one independent from the other, which would you choose? The cream makes no sense. It's just sugar mash. <laughs> you know, it's what's wrong with that? Don't you like peeps? How is it different? Oh, that's marshmallows. With, uh, it's it's different. Kind of the same thing. And by the way, I like the the cookie part of an Oreo better than I like Peeps. I would say like there's more. What's the word? My brain's kind of foggy tonight. Like there's more um, complexity to the cookie part of the Oreo cookie than there is to the cream. Okay, I will have you know, I, Scott, that since our spirited discussion about dipping cookies in milk, uh, dipping Oreos specifically in milk. I have just gone on a binge recently of doing that, <laughs> especially after I finished this podcast. It's like a midnight snack. I just go and just like dunk a bunch of Oreos and it's, it's and you think of me every time, don't you? Uh, I do. I'll, I'll, I'll tweet out a like, picture oh, when I do it. Show that guy. <laughs> Take I'll show that guy. People can do this. Yeah. I'm going to send out a picture of just the cream filling right after this. Too, so <laughs> we'll do that. Uh, starter sit these pitchers who frankly were not great over the weekend and, Carlos Rodon, I know, it might be ridiculous that I'm even asking this, but he was not effective. It was at Coors Field, and the velocity was down quite a bit once again. So uh, he allowed four runs over four and a third. Uh, fastball velo down 1.7 miles per hour. The curve down 1.8. Final two starts, home against the Rockies, home against the Diamondbacks. Are you starting Carlos Rodon? Yeah. 
All right. Jordan Montgomery got uh, has been getting roughed up recently. His last three starts, he has an 8.16 ERA, 1.74 whip. I mean, what a great trade by the Yankees. Harrison Bader playing great defense <laughs> for, the, for the Bronx Bombers. Um, but seriously, Scott, Jordan Montgomery's kind of getting... Uh, Kind of getting yeah. banged up recently, and and he only has one start, but it's against the Pirates. So what do you what do you do with Jordan Montgomery? I probably wouldn't start him. I mean, again, it kind of is. It's your daily lineups, is it weekly lineups? Yeah. Weekly lineups. I think I definitely wouldn't start him because you could find guys with multiple matchups. Daily, you know, maybe size it up on the day, see how much you need wins and strikeouts versus ERA and WHIP, but. The- he might help an ERA and whip too against the Pirates. Yeah. The trend continues for one Charlie Morton. Terrible on the road once again. He was at the Phillies where he gave up six earned runs over four and two thirds innings pitched. That brings his road ERA to 5.72 with a 1.39 whip. The good news is this week he is at home, but it's against the Mets, a team he has struggled against this season, Scott. And it, there's only one start left. So, how are you feeling about yeah. Uncle Chuck? You're out of there. Get him out of here. Shane O'Mac clearly is not right right now, unfortunately, when we need him most. He gave up four runs over five innings pitched, three being home runs, and he has now given up nine earned runs over his last two outings. He only has one start left at the Houston Astros, so don't feel great about that. (sighs) That's a tough one. Yeah. I mean... I will say if you, ha- if you if you're in if you're in the Shane, if you're in the championship game right if you have a shot at the championship game and if you know why are you listening if you don't um, Shane McClanahan's the main reason why you have that shot right yeah are you really not gonna play him so I I have him in the podcast points league uh huh he has one start against the Astros I have Chris Bassett on my bench mm-hmm. against the Nationals and the Braves I have Jose Quintana for those great matchups. I have Stroman against the Phillies and the Reds. I have Michael Waka against the Orioles and the Blue Jays. I'm probably going to start Bassett or Jose Quintana over Shane McClanahan, and this yep. is a head-to-head points league. So That makes sense. I don't think I'd start Waka and who was the other one? Marcus Stroman. Oh, yeah, I definitely wouldn't start Stroman over. I definitely wouldn't start the two-start Stroman over the one-start McClanahan. Waka, I guess, is a closer call, but even then, I think I lean one start McClanahan. I just realized I have Zach Wheeler on the IL, too, so I need to activate him and get him in my lineup. Yeah, because he's making two starts, and I think one is against the... Yeah, Cubs and Nationals. Nationals. Cubs and Nationals, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, so, uh, yeah, this is looking pretty good so far. One of our listener leagues going up against Jamie Campbell, who had a great season, um... Great record in the regular season. I'm up 68 points, Scott, with the 10-day yeah. period to go. So I feel okay, yeah. but, you know, 60-point uh, leads, another, they, can, they, can go, they can go away in a week. So That's another reason why I feel like a loser today. I keep feeling like a loser, Frank, because I am in two championship games, head-to-head points championship games, and halfway through them, they're two, week, you know, two periods long. I'm losing both. I'm losing both badly. Oh, damn. In one of those leagues, I was on like a, I began, in one of those leagues, I began a two and six, and then I reeled off like 14 straight wins to close out the season. Damn. Um, so I thought, 
I was going to cruise in that one, you know, but apparently not. And so if I, if I fail to come back in these two head to head points matchups, that just leaves one AL only Roto league where I'm nursing like a one point lead that, that might be my only championship this year in mm. the, I mean, so I'm in like 10 redraft leagues, you know, and I might win one or zero or three, but it's not looking good for two of them. All right. Well, and that would suck. I wouldn't like that very much. And, and here's the here's the frustrating part. I think I'll finish second or third if let's say I win none of them. That means I finish second or third in eight of the ten. Wow. Yeah. Don't like that. Yeah, I mean, that's just like you know a few different things could have went your way throughout the course of the season, and you know you're you're within striking distance of, of winning those leagues potentially. So, yeah, we we can't have you go for the clean sweep, Scotty. So <laughs> hold on to that AL only. I win them all. Oh, gosh. I want to be the very best. Like oh. no one ever was. I don't know if you know this, Scott, but I am a big Pokemon fan. I know. I don't. I don't mean to like rub it in or anything or pour salt on the wound as they would say but i do have a 70 point lead over greg jewett and tout wars too going into the oh, final week. you and tout wars in back-to-back years back-to-back I mean, just, just podcast by yourself from now on no come on Scott. <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh, let's see man greg jewett has has a really good team so uh trying to hold on to that one as well let's get into some leftovers from the weekend brian reynolds hit two more homers and is now up to 26 it's I think maybe it's been a letdown of a year for Brian Reynolds because you probably specifically drafted him for batting average and he's, you know, he's hitting like 260, but the power has been a pretty good surprise. You know, 26 homers for Brian Reynolds. I'd like to see that. Yeah, well, he was one of the players you had me grade the season, right? Did I? And that was before this recent power binge. I don't know if I did. I don't know if Brian Reynolds was part I, of it. I think I gave him a C plus. Yeah. It wasn't one of the higher grades because he's... Like he's lived up to his draft pick, I would say, but I, I think the he didn't live up to he hasn't lived up to last year because of the you know the batting average has uh, been a little behind. But yeah, so in in September, Brian Reynolds is batting three fifteen with five homers and a nine oh seven OPS. That's and awesome. I think his number. I can't remember. I, th- I feel like his whole second half's been good. Let me check that. Mm, eh, not as good as I was remembering. It's so, really August and September combined. You look at Brian Reynolds' stats, and they're really good. Yeah. He's You're right, though, Scott. He basically has lived up to expectations. He's the 22nd-ranked outfielder in Roto. He's the 87th overall player. I, maybe he was drafted a yeah. little bit higher than that, but that sounds about right. Adley Rutschman had a huge game on Friday. He went 3-for-3 three three with a sock and a shoe, 12 homers, uh, four steals on the season, Scott. What have you thought of Adley Rutschman's rookie year? Thought it's been pretty solid. I think it has him in contention. Like he's one of the we, we talk about the depth of catcher that we're going to be looking at next year, where there's seven, eight uh, potential stud bats at the position, seven or eight guys who could potentially finish number one at the position. And R- Rushman will be among that group. The plate discipline in particular has been impressive for him. And that's, that's always a good sign for a guy just breaking into the league. Uh, I think the power continues to get better. 
And I mean, there's a good chance in a couple of years we'll think of him as the no questions asked best catcher in fantasy. Mm-hmm. He is somebody I absolutely want to draft in one catcher head-to-head points leagues next year because I just think he's so clearly going to be amazing in that format. You mentioned the plate discipline. He has 32 doubles on the season in 104 games played. So I think he's going to DH quite a bit. So you'll get the plate appearance volume. I think some of those doubles could turn into home runs. Like if he hits Mm -hmm. 18 to 20 homers with 40 doubles and great plate discipline, he absolutely is in the running for being the best catcher in, in a points league. So, um, just think he's really, really going to excel in that format. Randy Rosarena had five more hits this weekend, including his 20th home run. He also has over 30 steals. It's been just a furious finish for Randy Rosarena. Michael Harris picked up another home run and another steal. He's now up to 19 and 19 through 106 games. Scott, how much does this worry you about Michael Harris? He's been bad against lefties. Actually... I don't want to say, should I say bad? He's batting 252. So, like, that's adequate, but his OPS is yeah. quite bad. It's 675 against left handed pitching. That's not good. And I think, like, two of his 19 home runs. So, how much does that worry you when you're probably going to have to use a third or fourth round pick on Michael Harris next season? Yeah, I don't, I probably would not use a third or fourth round pick on Michael Harris next season, to be honest. And, you're probably right with the you know the fact he's gonna he's, he's at nineteen nineteen right now home runs and stolen bases so um, if he gets to twenty twenty after not debuting until uh, till late May so basically playing two thirds of a season and, and goes twenty twenty uh, yeah I mean that's batting three hundred yeah he's he's probably going to go that high in five by five leagues will he go that high in points leagues well there's more of an emphasis on pitching and he doesn't walk a lot so maybe not maybe he'll slide a little in that format and I'll be more likely to draft Michael Harris there actually but there are a lot of worrisome aspects to Harris uh ground ball rate is very high as I mentioned the walk rate is very low and now you're bringing up his performance against same-handed pitchers. Like, that's probably the least of those three worries for me, but it's another worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the minor league track record is strong. Didn't hit for much power down there, but, you know, that he's hitting for power. That's not a question. He, he was a great hitter in the minors in terms of average, and I think my concerns are mostly tied to that. Can he continue to do what he's done this year? Well, minor league track record says he can. But those red flags for a 22-year-old, I think I'm going to go another direction in the early rounds, most likely. All right. Bryce Harper is scuffling here to the finish line. He's hitting just 204 with three homers and a 676 OPS in 26 games since returning from the IL. I don't know if he's completely healthy, and we have to find out whether or not he's going to need Tommy John in the offseason or maybe some kind yeah. of elbow surgery. So. That's that's a big storyline for sure with uh, Bryce Harper. Whit Merrifield has started five straight games and he has six hits, including three homers during that time. He is still 83% rostered and 59% started, Scott. The Blue Jays have the fifth best hitter matchups. If you held on to Whit Merrifield, is this a time to get him back (laughs) in your lineup? Seems like... Uh, Yeah, I mean, he's turning it on all of a sudden after not even getting consistent playing time early. Uh, the Blue Jays have good matchups this upcoming week. Mm. So it's not the craziest thing. I just, do they shelve him again all of a sudden? 
No, I think Santiago Espinal's in the IL now, so that's why Merrifield's playing Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. They do have Kevin Biggio, right? Who they try and mix in from time to time. It's true. So I don't know. Like he's not one of my ten sleeper hitters for this week, Merrifield. Um but you know, it's it's a it's a span of not ten days, so anything could happen. Eloy Jimenez is having himself a big second half, batting 345, 13 homers, a 1,000 OPS on the nose. That is in 58 games, which is a 38 homer pace over 150. It's just, can he stay healthy? That That's the biggest key for Eloy Jimenez. Big weekend for Hunter Renfro. He had six hits, including three homers, and that included a double dong on Saturday. Kyle Schwarber, double dong on Sunday. He's now up to 42 home runs. George Springer, double dong, also on Sunday. He's now up to 23. Mike Trout hit his 37th homer. Stephen Kwan just had an absolute monster game on Sunday. He went three for five with a grand slam and two steals. He's now up to six home runs and 19 steals on the season. And Pete Alonso went four for five, hit his 39th homer, and he's up to 128 RBI. That's tied for the league lead with Aaron Judge. A few pitching standouts, part one. Aaron Ola. Uh, he went six shutout with eight strikeouts. We had Brady Singer, seven innings, one run, eight strikeouts as well. Chris Bassett dominated in his return to Oakland. He went eight innings, two runs, only two strikeouts. And Kyle Wright became the first and only 20-game winner this season. And I don't I don't even think anyone else has a chance. I think next closest is 17. So uh, Kyle Wright will likely be your only 20-game winner this year. It's been a great season for him. At the mm-hmm. Phillies, five and a third, two runs, six strikeouts there. Uh, anything on these four, Scott? Right, Bassett, Singer, Nola. And 20-game winners, are you don't see many of them anymore. There was one last year, Julio Arias. Uh, obviously, there wasn't any in 2020. Who would have guessed Kyle Wright <laughs> coming into the season? Like, he, he, would, he went unrostered in the, in the Scott White Dynasty League a 24-team league that emphasizes starting pitching. You know, like everybody with a rotation spot is is uh, so highly valued in that format just because it's hard to find enough guys to go around in a 24-team league. And Kyle Wright, I picked him up off the waiver wire at the start of the season, and he's the majors' only 20-game winner. It's mm. crazy. Yeah, I think you should just give him to me, Scott, because my team stinks, and I deserve him. I got to do it. Sorry. (laughs) Pitching standouts part two. Alec Manoa, another great start at the Rays. He went seven shutout with eight strikeouts. Drew Rasmussen, six and a third. One run allowed, five strikeouts up against the Blue Jays. Sandy Alcantara uh, posted his sixth double-digit strikeout effort of the season. Up against the Nationals, he went eight innings, one run, 11 strikeouts in that one. All but locking up the National League Cy Young, I would say. And Corbin Burns got back on track. Quality start at the Reds. Six and a third, two runs, eight strikeouts for him. Burns, Sandy, Rasmussen, Manoa. Anything on these? Not not a lot of interesting things to say. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, Sandy Alcantara and Corbin Burns, there had been some shakiness there recently. Alcantara kind of got back on track in his previous start. Complete game effort. But I think this is a reminder that even... You know, even at this stage of the season, we're like running out of calendar and everything, every start matters all the more. Like, this is kind of why I made a case to start Shane McClanahan, even though his previous two starts were bad. Like, 
Sometimes good pitchers have bad starts, and then they come back and look like great pitchers again, as mm-hmm. we saw over the weekend with Alcantara and Burns. Mm-hmm. Sandy, by the way, ninth in Major League Baseball in strikeouts, despite being 26th in K per nine, and that is due to his volume, how deep he goes into his starts. So. Well, and, and when you say 26th in K per nine, that's like of 50 total qualifiers, right? So he's yeah. some, there, there aren't many pitchers who actually qualify. Um, I would say if you were ranking every starting pitcher who, you know, through 120 innings this year, Sandy Alcantara would be pretty far down the list in K per nine and still has all those strikeouts. Yep. Pitching standouts part three, Darvish, another quality start in Coors Field. He went six innings, two runs, eight strikeouts in that one. Merrill Kelly, strong start up against the Giants, seven innings, two runs, six strikeouts for him. Clayton Kershaw up against the Cardinals, six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts. And Christian Javier, Dominant once again at the Orioles. Six shutout, one hit allowed, eight strikeouts for him. Javier, Kershaw, Merrill Kelly, you Darvish. What you got? Uh, not much for them either. They just, they keep doing their thing. Combined, here, here, here's an interesting stat for Christian Javier. In his past three starts, thrown 17 innings, has allowed a combined four hits. Mm, that is a good stat. I wish you had yeah. one for... You! You! Ah, soldier boy. Pitching standouts part four. Nicola Dolo puts up a strong start up against the Brewers. Six innings, one run, six strikeouts in that one. Dylan Cease uh, up against the Tigers. Six shutout with five strikeouts. Max Scherzer looked like Max Scherzer at Oakland. Six innings, one run, seven strikeouts. And Nestor Cortez, another great start. He went six shutout. He allowed just one hit, five strikeouts. And I saw this stat per Katie Sharp on Twitter. Nestor Cortez has four games with five plus innings pitched and one hit or fewer allowed this season. That is the most by any pitcher in a single season in Yankees history. So just pretty interesting stat there for uh, Nestor Cortez. Uh, Anything on these, Scott? Cortez, Scherzer, Cease, Lodolo. Just a reminder for Lodolo, he's he's going against the Cubs in his Final start this upcoming week. It's only one, but he's a one-star pitcher I might actually consider if you're setting your lineup weekly just because he's, apart from that hiccup against the Red Sox two turns ago, Lodolo has been pretty consistently dominant here over the past few months. The call to the bullpen, just a few names that could be available if you need saves. For the Marlins, Dylan Floro picked up two saves this weekend. He's 17% rostered. For the Yankees on Friday, Scott Efros. Gave up a hit, but did pick up his third save. The Yankees are going by committee, so I probably would stay away from all of them, but um, <laughs> Scott F. Ross in deeper leagues. For the Mariners, uh, Paul Seawald pitched in the seventh and eighth innings on Saturday. Andres Munoz uh, did pitch the ninth and picked up his fourth save. Munoz numbers, Scott, are nasty. I kind of, mm. I there's just so much upside if they if he would be the closer for like years to come. I, I just don't think the Mariners are necessarily going to do that so that kind of stinks yeah he was billed as a closer and waiting uh, Munoz was when he was with the Padres still and you know even though Seawald set up for him in this outing on Saturday Seawald had gotten each of the Mariners previous three saves so I don't know that it necessarily signals the changing of the guard now as as you were saying the Mariners you know they don't they don't really commit to anyone, but I think the main guy is still Seawald. 
For the D-backs on Saturday, Reyes Maronta struck out two for his second save. Ian Kennedy hadn't pitched since Wednesday, so he should have been available. I don't know if you want the Diamondbacks closer anyway, Scott, but do you think Reyes Maronta is now the guy? I mean, maybe. I don't I don't think that's going to amount to much, though. Agreed. For the Cubs on Sunday, Brandon Hughes recorded the final out for his seventh save. He's only 15% rostered. And for the Reds, Alexis Diaz struck out the side for his ninth save, and he is only 38% rostered if you do need saves. To stream or not to stream for Monday with only four games on the schedule. Chase Anderson at the Pirates, Rowanzi Contreras versus the Reds, Jordan Lyles at the Red Sox, Connor Seabold versus the Orioles. How'd you come up with four names with only four games on the schedule? <laughs> oh, you know what? They're all pretty I got bad. one you missed. You ready? Here's the best streamer for Monday. We got Bryce Elder against the Nationals. Uh, all right, because I'm seeing undecided right now for the Braves. So that, oh, now I just refreshed. I like that one too. All right. So Bryce Elder at the Nationals on Monday. And then on Tuesday, we have Hunter Green at the Pirates. Mitch Keller versus the Reds. Zach Ranke at the Tigers. Joey Wentz versus the Royals. Kyle Bradish at the Red Sox. Bailey Ober versus the White Sox. And Patrick Sandoval versus the A's. Hunter Green at the Pirates. Definitely want to do that. Patrick Sandoval against Oakland. Okay. I mean, they did just knock around Jake Jacob DeGrom this weekend. Crazy. But... Uh, it's versus Oakland, so it won't be at the launching pad. So Patrick Sandoval, that might go okay. And uh, my third choice would be Bailey Ober against the White Sox. That's not bad either. But definitely Hunter Green, the other two I'm iffy on. All right, we're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again on Tuesday. Bye-bye. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.